Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. I'm Corey Sabin, marketing strategist, joined by Kathleen Scott. How are you? Doing great tonight. How are you? I am fantastic. What I'd like to talk about today is just everything about the workplace. And it starts off in how it's evolved, if you think about it. Where was your first job? We were just thinking about this. I think I started off babysitting, and then I got a job. Oh, I worked at a Hallmark store. That was my very first job, official first job, where taxes were taken out and all that. I worked at a Hallmark store selling cards, and then TGI Fridays. (laughs) So... As a guy who worked in restaurants, think about the workplace. You go and tell me if you had this similar experience. There's the waiters, the waitresses, the bartenders, the busboys, etc. And what happens at the end of the night shift? You clean up and then inevitably someone says, who wants to go out for a drink? And a lot of other bars and nearby restaurants catered to those servers that were working the late shift. And inevitably, so-and-so starts sleeping with so-and-so, and and then they go to work, and it's the pat on the butt, or they're making out in the freezer. Did that happen in your experience? There's no people like restaurant people. (laughs) Exactly. So think about that now in today's world. How many violations are we looking at? You know, the thing about inappropriate conduct is it has to be unwelcome, right? So everything's fine as long as the two are dating and they're still happy. It's when one of them wants to call it off, that's where the trouble begins, right? Now I feel like we're also hypersensitive about every little thing you say, but not everything that one person thinks is inappropriate necessarily means they're sexually harassing someone. I mean, that's just not not the way it works. And I think you have to look at it like environment by environment. So maybe what you might do in the workplace in a bar is a little different than how you might conduct yourself, you know, say in a law firm, if you work in a law firm. So so oftentimes, you know, it's knowing when to stop, I guess. You sit around, everybody's telling jokes, and then someone tells an off-color joke that, you know, someone might find offensive. Yeah. Then someone's quick to pull out the harassment card or say he, you know, made me feel uncomfortable. Sure. And I think unless it's a really bad joke, and it'd have to be pretty much off the chart bad, probably one joke is never going to equal harassment. You know, again, if for something to be so charged, it has to be what's called severe, and then pervasive is the legal jargon. What that means, that it has to be almost daily horrific, that you almost can't work anymore because of the how tormented you are by the way people are talking about you, either based on race or sex or gender or something like that. So one... Do you get one free grab? I mean, depends what the grab is, right? And if it, and by whom, actually. So if your hmm. if your manager grabs you, that's no. That's it might be. What enough. if the manager's dating the employee? Well, then it's not unwelcome, and so it's not harassment at all. That's but probably a bad decision. But she doesn't want that in the workplace, and uh, says, "Ah, oh, you know, Mike, don't grab me. We're at work," and she gets upset because another coworker sees it. So. It's a great question for this reason. Reminding what is harassment, right? It's got to be sexual in nature to be sexual harassment. And so is he grabbing her because he's trying to empower her because of her gender? No, they're in a consensual relationship. That's not sexual discrimination or sex or any type of sexual harassment. It's a really bad idea, but it's um, it probably isn't sexual harassment at all in that situation. I mean, unless it got to the point where she's so saying, I don't, don't touch me, don't touch me. And then he crosses that line. Then I think then it does cross into that line. 
But if they're in a consensual relationship, he's not doing it because she's a woman and he's a man. He's doing it because that's his girlfriend. And that does make it different from a legal standpoint. So what if it's a couple of 20-year-olds and their servers at the restaurant or their coworkers? Where are they supposed to meet people? They meet uh, people at work. This, then one gets fired. Well, this is such an issue, right, where it's almost like in this Me Too era, someone can say anything. Corey told me uh, this inappropriate joke, and now you need to fire him. And that's happening, right, in workplaces where just a female is making an allegation. And I hate to make it about gender, but it is, right, where it's almost like a woman's word in this context carries so much weight that men are basically being assaulted physically, not physically, but in the workplace, you know, and don't really have the same opportunity to explain themselves or they're automatically presumed guilty, right? And so this is a, this is a real issue. And so when, when one thing our firm does is we try to do something called a workplace investigation so that if somebody gets accused of something, we try to equal weight the complaining voice. We want to make sure we give them an opportunity to be heard in the detail and, and really hear them. And then also but give the same person who's being accused of the opportunity to explain it because you can't have a productive workplace if all the men are afraid that any time a female says anything about them, they could risk losing their job. I mean, that, that is not what a good um, anti-harassment policy looks like, right? What is too woke? That might be an example of too woke, right? That's too woke? I think that might be an example of too woke. Or where you can't be yourself and say, you know, I think, I mean, where did you meet your wife? In the workplace? No. At school? No, no, nothing as wholesome as that. Uh, okay, we, so we won't answer that yeah. question on there. But so Corey met his wife on Tinder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, I, I, what it might be. actually Christian singles. Okay. But no, I'm kidding. Uh, we met over at a, a nightclub called Noche. Oh, I liked that. So nice, that we place. went one night. I was there and I got off work. She was coming in around 1130 and I asked her to dance and she said yes. Nice. Nice. So that wasn't harassment. No. But I do think it's common, though, right, for people to meet, like, at school or in the workplace. And that's where people interact with each other. And so it's gotten to the point where, like, if a, someone says to someone in the workplace, hey, you look nice. Do you want to grab a coffee after work? Now, all of a sudden, and you, it's like you're, oh, we don't know how to f navigate through that How anymore. do you say no if you're not interested? I.e., I'm always fascinated by the professor-student. Especially if the professor's 25 and the student's 22. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that because my brain went to Yeah, no, place. no, yeah, no. Okay. Especially if it's a young professor or, you know, a, a student and teacher, you know, a young high school student who is 18 years old and the teacher's right out of college. Yeah. I mean, they're still pretty close in age. Right. Right. And so, like, it, why is that not okay, right? I mean, that's the question. Why is it not okay? So I think for harassment purposes, just kind of bring it back to the labor and employment law, which is my specialty. I, I can't speak to any of the morality of it, nor, nor would I want to. But it's about when the balance of power is unequal, then one— But who determines the balance of power? Maybe the person giving the grade in that example. So if is that, I mean, that is an issue, right? So, but if he's giving the grade and she came on to him, I mean, I think of uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me, the police song for you remember, you know, <laughs> yeah. young teacher, you know, the subject yep. where she's the coming on to Navica. him. Yeah, I remember. But I think it's when you're when you're in a relationship, it, that's consensual. That's not harassment. But if one member of the relationship has the ability to affect, you know, the grade then it becomes kind of a challenge, right? So probably in that situation, there you, you got to like have some kind of like middle ground where, or somebody in between. So you can't have, I mean, it's in, interesting. This is a true, a true example. Um, a gentleman who's a member of a board 
dates, has kind of an open relationship kind of lifestyle. And, you know, he was dating someone that he worked with and didn't tell any of the other members of the board. But when he goes to that board and say, I want to give her a raise, well, he can't really be truly objective, right? And so we kind of don't mind it when everything is peachy keen and she's getting more money. But now when it comes time to maybe terminating her employment or maybe not giving her the raise or the promotion, now we start to wonder, well, you know, if that relationship, everything was still great with the relationship, would he maybe then giving her more? So then that, then you start to say, well, are terms and conditions being awarded based on this good relationship? You know, historically, that's the way it used to be, right? I mean, sure. ma- between male-male, male-female, whatever. I mean, I think about the history of Walmart. They grew 2,000 stores in a f- couple of years. And, you know, the people who were running the stores were friends, hunting buddies, brothers, father-in-laws, you know, family members. And you kind of create this nepotism of, of, of things. And so, you know, it does make you say, well, when do you get to the point where it's just too much, right? Where you're just like overanalyzing the relationships and why can't we just hire whoever the heck we want? Um, and so from, and I see both sides of it. I do, because I, I have a small company and I like the idea of being able to hire who I want and do what I want and not be told by the government how I have to manage my workplace. But the other side of the story has to be told too, right? So if you're a young person or a female and you're trying to get ahead in a workplace where there's not one member of management that looks like you, and you got to wonder, you know, is that right? Like, are, are you missing out on the opportunities? Are there, what are they doing to kind of encourage management? Now, I'm not saying you should give people a job just because of their gender or their skin color or their religious beliefs, but I do think that you have to take a hard look at an organization that's only promoting people who are all the same, right? So if you have a, a company that's run by all white men, well, there is a problem there probably. Now, yes, people listening and say, well, maybe there's no women applying, but why would they? Because there's no one that looks like them on the board. So it becomes these, these are really tough issues. There's there's no real answer to them. I will say from a labor em- employment background experience, companies need to have an infrastructure for two reasons. One, because people who want the opportunities need to have a path to say, oh, I can apply here. I can, I know now that on the internet, I'm going to get noticed when a, when a position opens up. But two, from the company's perspective, so that they have an infrastructure so that they can say, look, of the people who applied, we're going to pick the best candidate. And so, I mean, that's not a perfect answer, but it's one that I think that gets us a lot further to what's reasonable as opposed to, you know, giving people positions who don't deserve it and never having opportunities so that the workforce never gets diverse. It's a tough issue. Yeah, it is a tough issue. Uh, The other issue that comes to mind now is you go to work and you say, you know what? You look nice today. Someone could take offense. And you do look nice today, by the way. Thank you. But someone could take offense. I could say, well, do I not look nice the other days? Why did she say that today? I feel like, you know, maybe she's flirting. Maybe she's this. What happens then? Well, if that was my my child, I would tell him to settle down. It's okay to look exactly, nice and but take you can't a compliment, um, for sure, right? And what's wrong with giving some a compliment? Don't you don't want to look nice? <laughs> well, I would think, and it becomes George <laughs> so, Costanza ish. But you know, if you say it in the workforce, what happens if someone takes offense to it? Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know, but I think. Um, that's probably where that's the door we're knocking on right now where no one knows how to act. Right. I think we've burst through that door. Yeah. It's like the Kool-Aid guy. I think we're there. You know, if you think and, about it, because w- you look nice today, you look great in that outfit. Well, do I not look good the other days or I don't, I feel he's coming on to me. Right. And so maybe what we need to do is empower our children, our employees, our friends to be able to have a voice so that people can say, you know, I don't appreciate you saying that to me. Please don't say that to me again. 
but in a way that's not like, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to get you fired. Maybe just to, to find their voice and speak their voice. This issue of wokeness comes at a time, too, where like we're not really connecting on a personal level very often, no. right? We're using cell phones to text. We're hiding behind emails and electronic messages. We're not really having that interpersonal communication. So it's kind of a perfect storm of no one knows how to talk to anyone anymore because they're just not talking to each other physically face-to-face. And then everyone's so hypersensitive that anytime you do physically say anything to somebody, no one knows how to handle it anymore. You think we've gone too far in the Me Too pendulum? Gosh, I mean, I don't want to discourage anyone who's been a victim to not speak up. But I also don't want, there's a definition of a victim. And I don't know, I think we maybe have gone too far in in defining that, right? And it's not one comment or it's, so it kind of waters down. In my view, I, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be bold and say yes and say that um, it kind of takes away from the true people out there who've suffered through real harassment and through real discrimination, you know, decades of it. For people to be able to say one off-color joke somehow equates to, you know, get this person fired. So and maybe we have gone too far. I like the awareness, though, and I love that we're having that dialogue because that says to the world, you know, we, we're, we're, we are awakening to things that aren't okay anymore, you know. Um, so I think that's good, and maybe it's okay for the pendulum to find the boundary, and hopefully it'll swing back into a middle where we'll feel like, I can tell someone they look nice and not worried about getting sued for it, right? <laughs> you know, since we're in the workplace, beyond sex and you look nice in that outfit, et cetera, what about something as simple as politics? We've got midterms coming up. Our country's in a pretty contentious place, and we know it's only going to get worse as we continue with the polarization. So politics and religion in the workplace. Hey, you know what? Did anybody see that debate last night? Could simple statement like that get you in trouble? Why do they say don't talk about politics and religions in the workplace? I don't know. But you think about it, religion, everybody has a belief in something. And if you don't believe in something, you still believe in something. So it's it's a, it's a commonality people have. Like yeah. so often I would hear... You know, I went to church and they gave a great sermon on Sunday that was so good. Yeah. And I'm like, I was always curious. Well, tell me more. Well, I want to learn something. But someone else might be offended and say, well, you're jamming your religion down my throat. Hmm. Well, I think that's the idea, right? To not attribute a negative motive. And the way you asked the question is so inviting where it's like you have an interest. You're like, an also, you know, a reporter too. So it makes sense, right? Hey, tell me more about this. I want to learn. As opposed to some people, um, especially in the political divide right now, it's like if you're a Republican and someone else is a Democrat, there are beliefs about you that come mm-hmm. from just from that party affiliation. And they're just, as you walk into the room, you don't walk in on, oh, that's my friend so-and-so. That's my Republican friend, so-and-so, or my Democratic friend, which yeah. carries with it these preconceived these negative notions. Um, you know, I was having a conversation, and it's no surprise where my politics fall. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a civil rights lawyer, basically. So, I, I you know, I'm super, uh, quote-unquote, liberal, which never used to be a bad word, but now it's like, you know. Ambassador-sized. But I had a conversation with a close friend who was like, shocked that I had a, an opinion about that I thought there were only two genders. And she was surprised to hear me say that because her view of people who are quote unquote liberal would think that there's, you know, a never ending number of, of genders out there. So I think the, the reason we don't say, we say don't talk politics and religion in the workplace is because we haven't figured out a way to disagree with each other, right? We haven't figured out a way to say, oh, that's an interesting point of view. I don't see it that way without getting mad about it. It's like, it's okay. 
It's okay that you don't think that and I think this. Like, why can't we coexist? I don't understand that. You know, but most people go right to the emotion of anger and anything that's not the way they see it must be wrong. But that's the same with everything. You think about sports. Yeah, they do the same thing as well mm-hmm. in the workplace. Or, you know, I, I remember watching uh, what happened on January 6th and I was appalled seeing it on TV and some people had no issue with it whatsoever. And that led to an office debate. It did. And it's funny because we used to, there used to be a saying, right? You have to see something to believe it. Sure. Now it's like, that's not true anymore. Nope. Actually, you have to believe something and and then you see it, right? I don't know. It's like, it's, I don't know it's, how it's it works. That. It's just mixed up and upside down like that. I know. But it, you're right. You used to have to say, see it to believe it. And we saw it and everybody was shocked. And then the rhetoric changed and we changed the narrative. And people unfortunately believe what they hear. So if that's true in the office place, what can bosses do? Should bo- I guess a policy. Can a boss say no sex talk, no religion, no this, but then you're in the lunchroom and you start saying, hey, did you see the game? Did you see this? Or anything could become contentious. Yeah. And I think you can't really have a policy that regulates individuals' thoughts and beliefs like that, um, you know, because then you get into, well, when can they talk about it? What if they're out of having a beer, but they happen to work together? You know, like this, what's called all lawful activities kind of regulation doesn't really work. Um, but you do want to make sure that no one's getting ganged up on, I think, because you, because you know, if it's falling into that bully category, you know, like I know there's cases that we've had where like one person is maybe doesn't drink alcohol because of their religious beliefs and everyone else in the workplace is coming in on Monday morning talking about how much they drank and how much fun they had and kind of making fun of the one person who doesn't drink. And even though it's not strictly speaking a religious issue, you don't want one person feeling con- constantly ostracized because of that. And so I don't know how there's no easy answer to that, right, to regulate it. I mean, certainly People can be people and they can, you know, have camaraderie and hang out and talk about having beers, but need to be, you know, somewhat sensitive. I don't want to use the word woke because that's not the right word, but got to be somewhat sensitive. They're not constantly. And that's where like, if you're not like me, you're, you're left out. It's kind of like the last person picked on the team or the one person on the playground that doesn't have a teammate. Right. So that's the part that's hard, but maybe that makes you tougher. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just fascinated by the dialogue in the workplace because Nowadays, anything can set anybody off and they think they have a claim. And I think there's an argument to be said that they're like learning how to debate without hate is probably really important, right? Like, but is, that's not taught. That's not taught. You know, and how to be it. disagreeable and disagree without being disagreeable. I mean, those are like really important, you know, having a conversation about issues where you can kind of see that you just take a moment. Because I think really, if people just settle down a little bit, they might realize that there's actually a lot more agreement than there is disagreement. And so maybe, you know, okay, so maybe you like the saints and I don't, and, and that, but we can still have lunch together and it's going to be okay. No, 100%. So there's nothing there. Now, what about the employee? And I've worked with this type of person mm-hmm. that would come in and uh, she's bisexual. Then mm-hmm. she would come in and just be like, you'd say, how was your weekend? And she would then tell you about her escapades and show you on her text. No, nothing that bad, but she would tell you, Hey, I did X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. and this. And you're like, okay. And more than you bargained for with that more than you bargained for. (laughs) And you, you know, but now other people in the office feel uncomfortable. Yeah. They really shouldn't be talking about sex in the office. There's just no way to talk about sexual behaviors and sexual details in the office place without getting into some trouble. Well, someone could simply say, how was your weekend? I went out with this great guy on a date or I went out with a great girl on a date. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Well, how did it go? 
And then what do you say? That I think that's okay too. Yeah, the, we went back to his house afterwards. Sounds like you had a good time. It ends there. Oh, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it didn't end, you know, and that's why I'm wearing his t-shirt today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we, look, that's not terrible, but I think yeah. we can't expect the employer to be like the morality police either, or like some super, you know, they can't be in all places at once saying, oh, monitoring your every conversation. But do I think that's okay? I think it's normal. I think it's good behavior for the most Would part. Would you tolerate it in your office? Uh, yeah, we probably would. And uh, and uh, we have a very close-knit, it's like a beehive in my office. So I have people that I've worked with for 15 years. So yeah, we do. I mean, I don't want to talk about that degree of, but we do definitely have fun and it's okay. And I, I do think we have to be, I think our biggest worry is that people who haven't been there that long, making sure no one feels uncomfortable, not because of the topic of what we're talking about, just because of the camaraderie. So, you know, you don't want to feel like a sorority you're not invited to. So I think that there's an issue there. But otherwise, you know, sex talk in the workplace is just a little bit is okay. How was your date? How was your dinner? Hope it's going well with your new boyfriend. But beyond that, getting into the details, you need to hit the brakes. Be like, whoa, whoa, no thank <laughs> you. That goes a little further. That went a little farther than I And stop it. And if someone's offended, you just say, I'm sorry? If you're the one doing the offending, you need to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And what if that employee that you call in and say, hey, you know why You're telling us all about your escapades and, you know, Jane and Bill don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Go so apologize. At that, yeah. At that point, the employer, a good, op- a good opportunity for the employer to kind of coach that person on, you know, core value is respect. And we, we don't really want people thinking about that in the workplace. It's not productive. And that's not really the, the good core value there. So settle down. I feel like I've said settle down. Settle down. Settle down, Tiger. Well, we're settling down now. And those were the do's and don'ts of communication in the workplace. Thank you so much for joining Can They Do That? I want to give a special thanks to our special host, Corey Sabin. Thank you, Corey, for joining us and asking all the right questions. For everything employment law related, please visit us on our next episode or in the meantime at our website at scottlawteam.com. Until then.